Welcome back to the Free Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Kraft, along with Colton Watring. Today, we have a very special guest. If you are from the Warsaw area, and our guest is no stranger to you, we have Christy Walters. Um, she is the head of the exercise science program at Grace College. She's the former athletic trainer at Grace. She graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University with her undergraduate, and she went to Ohio University for her master's in athletic training. Christy is one of the most down-to-earth individuals I have ever met. Um, she's always there to lend a helping hand, and she truly believes that honesty is the best policy. And you'll hear us talk about that in the rest of the episode. In this episode, we're going to go through Christy's educational journey going from IWU to Ohio University into the athletic training field to where she's at today. Um, she's going to talk a little bit about her philosophy on education, as well as some tips and tricks that undergraduate and graduate school students can take to better their time um, while in school and maybe get the most out that they can from it. Please, if you like the podcast, do not forget to like, um, share, rate, um, subscribe to it. Whatever you guys do on Spotify or Apple Music, share it on your Instagram stories. We love the feedback and we love that you guys love the podcast. So with that being said, Christy Walters. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, super fun. So first off, I'm going to start by saying, I don't know if I would be here without Christy. So this podcast is because of Christy. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't even be at Grace if it wasn't for Christy. I remember, and that's definitely one thing, one thing I want to speak on in this podcast is like, we're going to talk a little bit, obviously, about your journey. But we, I also want to talk about like the difference between a small private school and having the opportunity to have these close, genuine relationships with your students opposed to a big level university such as like a Ball State or even higher like Purdue, IU, where it's kind of you're just going in class, get your degree and get out. So yeah. Colton, unless you have a question for Christy, let's just start out with your journey. That's all you. I got some questions, but we'll save that for later. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so let's see. I went to Indiana Wesleyan University. Well, I guess we could go back up a little further. I grew up in Angola, Indiana, and I was a three-sport athlete, volleyball, basketball, softball, when I was a freshman, just going into my freshman year, I had an injury to my shoulder. And that really set me on the trajectory of wanting to go into sports medicine. And I just really enjoyed uh, sports. And then you combine that with medicine and you think, wow, it's a dream come true. So I wanted to play a sport in college. I ended up playing softball at, at Indiana Wesleyan. And um, I remember being there. And trying to figure out what I was going to major in, I think I wanted to be a doctor at one point, and I probably could have gone and done that. But at the time, you're thinking managing softball, managing biology, chemistry, calculus, all in the first semester. It really scares you, actually, when you're young. And I wouldn't say I was the strongest math student, so you know it kind of intimidates you. Well, anyway, I ended up in athletic training, and I had my first class and thought, wow, I love this. I, you get to work with athletes. You get to understand injury, evaluation. You work with doctors. You work with PTs. And I ended up going down that path. I loved it. Um, I got to be the end of my senior year, and I thought, you know what, I'm not really done with my education yet. So I decided to pursue a master's. And that's a process in itself, figuring out where to go, um, what you're looking for. I decided I was going to just go ahead and go get a master's in athletic training. It was a good suggestion by my advisor at the time. So I went and interviewed probably, I almost went to Val, Valparaiso actually, and but they didn't have a master's in 
um, athletic training, it was going to be a sports management master's. And I was not exactly interested in going the athletic director route. So I ended up at o- Ohio University for, I was a grad assistant, and I was there for two years. The You could have gone for one, but I wanted to set myself up for the future in case I wanted to do a PhD, so I ended up doing a thesis while I was there as well, master's thesis. Now that's a process and a half. Um, anybody who's been in grad school says, whoa, okay, that big paper, research paper, I had to design my own research, and then um, my, advi- my advisor while I was in grad school quit, so that was fun, because then I was flying solo. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Sounds horrible. Yeah, it was. So I had to totally rework most of my research, and um, but while I was there, I was practicing. I had already passed my board of certification, so I was practicing as an athletic trainer half of the day at a local high school. And then I was in school the other half of the day. So it was a great experience. Um, plus, in that process, I got my school. I had a tuition exchange for that GA position, which I highly recommend for people to think about. If you can get a GA position, you're basically they're paying for your school while you're working for them. It's an excellent relationship. And it saved me a lot of money for grad school. Uh, then I also we also got a stipend for living on top of that. And so it was an excellent gig. Um, for So for two years, then I was at OU. I graduated, and um, then I started, you know, frantically applying for jobs because you've been in school for now six years, and you're like, I got to get a job. Nobody wants to move home with their parents. <laughs> Even though you love them, you're like, I got to get a job. So I remember, actually, this is a funny story because I remember – filling out an application for a job, and later I went back and looked at it, I thought, this was a terrible, <laughs> I, this was terrible, <laughs> like, who wrote this? It was bad, so I, uh, I decided that I should stop panicking, and just start saying, where do I want to go, and start praying about it, and then I ended up having two interviews, one was in Indianapolis at Methodist Sports Medicine, um, which is where I ended up going, the other one was in Michigan, and it, was a, it would have been a dual assignment in two different states. It was right on the border. And so I would have been up there by Michigan City and, oh, St. Joe, I think. there were, was, Anyway, it was kind of a neat job because you would have had two schools. But after seeking wise counsel, um, some, one of my relatives said, hey, I think you would really like Indianapolis better than you would like this dual role. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. So I went to, that was really exciting because I think I was one of 100 or 300, 100 or 300 applicants that came right down to the end at, in Indianapolis. And I was blown away that they selected me then. And so then I was at Avon High School, which was at the time the biggest high school in Indiana. They had, if you, you think of every sport they have, they had three levels of that, freshman, JV, varsity. So you're dealing with tons of athletes at that time. It was bigger that, put it this way, they had more students in their student body than my undergrad. And I'm like... <laughs> and were you the sole athletic trainer there at Avon no, at the time? No, no there was another, was, there, was another um, there was another lady there that had been there for a while too. So. I mean, still that many students with two people is quite the, oh, yeah. quite the group to handle. Yeah, well, I have a lot of stories from then because um, you're just dealing with people coming in and out, in and out. Lots of, lots of experience. So I wasn't planning on moving from Avon, um, but I got a call from Tom Johnson, who, if anybody knows Clint, Clint Dog, it's his oh. dad, and he called me and said, hey, we got a job up here at Grace College that we want you to apply for. 
And I go, who, who calls some, who calls some kid and just says, Hey, you should apply for this. You know? So I took that as a sign from the Lord that I need to apply for this job. And, um, come to find out a friend of mine from undergrad had turned down the job. And so she, they asked, well, if you're going to turn it down, who do you recommend? So she had thrown my name out there and contact information and, you know, that's how God works, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I ended up coming up here. They had never had a full-time athletic trainer at Grace College. And you could tell because their teams were broken. There was a lot of, well, at least in my opinion, there was a lot of athletes that would get hurt and they'd sit on the sidelines. So then I enter in and start rehabbing people and providing care and, and even just direction on this is how an injury should be working. I learned a lot. I spent about four years doing that. And that was hard because I was the only full-time athletic trainer for a while. They Then they brought in someone else, but in the group that we were working in, one of the, the ladies that was working with me would end up having to go sub at other high schools when these other women would have maternity leave. So I would be on my own again, covering all the sports. And um, and we were still a little bit younger, but our sports team have grown since then. So that was a journey and a half, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. How old were you when you started at Grace? Oh, good question. Uh, 25. Was that difficult, like, dealing with these athletes who are just a couple years younger than you? Um, no. It was fun. I could relate to them very easily, right? I was just a little bit removed from my sport. I um, I knew how to encourage them. I understood private Christian college because I had been to one. Um, sometimes you think about the authority, like, do they see me as an authority? But I was able to, because I'm a believer of, like, you want to share information and you want to bring everybody up to the level of information, but um, some people just reject they w- they'll reject you no matter what. So the ones that wanted to partake got better, and the ones that didn't, didn't. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, sim- you know, yeah. you kind of let people weed themselves out. I mean, that's the same in the classroom. You know, people who want to do good, do good, and if they don't want to try, then their grade shows it. Yeah. Yep. I feel like there's definitely a lot of, like, uh, in terms of, like, professors, a lot of stinginess when it comes to information, like, almost, like, withholding it to make them seem as if, like, they have this – higher level of knowledge oh. than these uh, younger individuals. And I definitely do not, s- I, I never saw that in any of your classes. Mm-hmm. So you saying that with like in your athletic training, you would try to bring these people up to the same level of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, obviously they wouldn't have the same background and the same understanding of it all as you, but giving uh, like equipping the individuals with tools is such like a huge, yep. huge thing that I feel like not a lot of people do. Yeah. But most people want to understand why they're hurt and how do they get better. So if you explain it to them in a way that they can embrace, then they become the agent of change in their own life, right? Because I can't hold everybody's hand through rehab or through um, treatments. We, that's my philosophy, though, is like I want you to embrace what's going on with your life so that you can help it, mm-hmm. right? And you're not just left with, I don't know what to do. They didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, that's we battle that all the time. That's a part of growing up. That's a part of maturing. Think about when you were a kid, you would just do what your parents told you to do for the most part. Mm-hmm. Come on, I know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a good kid. I yeah. Don't know about oh, Zach. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Ask my parents. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, at the end of my four, fourth year here, I was feeling a stirring. I was feeling like, man, I've been working really hard. I mean, I was putting in 70 hours a week a lot, and that's, that's quite tasking on you after a while. 
mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And uh, ironically, I, I did my thesis on um, wellness and athletic trainers <laughs> in, <laughs> in grad school. So I had uh, quite the language for understanding what wellness is. And I knew I wasn't practicing it because I felt like I can't. Like, how can I do that when I'm the only one? And so I had told, um, I had started praying about, okay, Lord, what's my next move? I had thought about going back to school. Because um, I had the idea of, like, I could get a Ph.D., I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be out of my realm. Um, it would just require going to school somewhere because most PhDs in exercise science or um, athletic training, kinesiology, they're all on campus type. There's no online um, programs that really fit what I was studying. I had at one point saw a human performance masters that I was interested in. So, you know, I'm tossing all this around, and Dr. Johnson uh, walks into my office. Daryl Johnson, who was the um, head of the sports med- management program, and he goes, Christy, I want you to know that we're going to be hiring an exercise science professor, and I want you to apply. So I said, whoa, I, I don't know what to say about that. He, I, I said, do you think I'm qualified? And he goes, oh, yeah, why don't you just put an application in? He probably stopped by my office three or four times and was like, you need to put an application in. <laughs> and so finally I got the message, <laughs> and I said, you know what, I got nothing to lose. So I'll go ahead, do that, and then I come to find out here I'm interviewing for the job, and they're asking me what's my vision for the program, and so I'm telling them, and they're like, okay, we're going to give it to you. Oh, my word. So now I have this job. <laughs> you know, it, you, you're not yeah. always prepared for um, – you're not always prepared for an open door to just swing wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they did. And um, then I was off to the races of changing my career, becoming a professor. Interesting enough, the same week I accepted the job for the professor job, I met Aaron, who um, we went on our first date. That's my husband now, but um, that was wild, too. And yeah. just the timing of that, that was God. He worked that out. Awesome. Did you ever see professing or like being a professor as a career choice for you when you were being an athletic athletic trainer here at Grace? Yeah, when I was in undergrad, I knew that I loved, like I thought it would be really fun to be a professor. So I did a lot of, um, oh, I had a lot of students in other schools when I was in undergrad or not undergrad, grad school. I had students from OU that went undergrad that would come shadow me. And then I would have, I had a couple students from, uh, Indy when I was in Avon, and they came and shadowed with me and had they had fun experiences. So I always enjoy that mentor relationship, and I was very open to that. I just wasn't anticipating it coming that soon. Okay. Yeah. You know, I wasn't anticipating that. So, but that was God's perfect timing. So yeah. now, I, I mean, so that was that was what you said. You were uh, athletic training here for four years, and then you got that position. So you were only twenty nine. Well, you weren't even thirty. Yeah. Yeah, twenty nine pretty crazy to be <laughs> and, and was there an exercise science program here before you or were you like the founder starter of this well dr johnson had put together kind of a course path that you could take but it was all independent study okay. so they didn't have a full-time professor they didn't really even have an advisor to push them in some of these students in this direction so so i basically um decided made the curriculum like there were five classes that they had and they needed more. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I pretty much my first year, I wrote all the curriculum. So every class, every lecture, um, I created all the syllabi and had to plan, uh, uh, you know, find the books, find the labs. We had zero equipment. Like there was nothing. 
nothing. So I had to order equipment. <laughs> I had so much. Yeah, it's that, cool. and that just sounds terrible to have to start everything up. I mean, starting a podcast isn't even that big of a deal, and it's been not the easiest thing. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun, whatever, but it definitely has been hard. So, I mean, that's really, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty insane, the fact that you can essentially, you essentially built a, a program, you built a brand, yeah, and especially one that people enjoy and, like, want to be part of. Like, I mean, so you, how old would have been, how old were the exercise science program would have been when I was, when we were freshmen? Not that old. It's, I was probably only two years old. I mean, we didn't even have the lab yet. No. And so, like, the fact that you had a convincing enough yeah. um, plan for my academic future and the ability to be like, hey, I will help you through all this. Like, if you have any questions, like, I'm here for it. Enough that a two-year exercise, like, science program that's been going on stopped me from going to a big name school I feel like speaks volumes <laughs> to the mentorship aspect of like a private university opposed to a big university now obviously it's hard to compete with yeah. the equipment that they have because it's like oh 100 grand like whatever we'll just drop that and we're like 100 grand man what what we could what do a lot with do? 100 grand right <laughs> yes we could yeah but that's su- that I mean that's just su- that's super cool that's something I want to talk about is like for like me personally and Zach, we people don't come to Grace for exercise science or people don't do the exercise science program because it's at Grace College. People do the exercise science program because it's Christy Walters program. Mm-hmm. Like, can you kind of dive into what was your vision for this program that you had and for every student that is going to be um, taking these classes? And then can you kind of after that go into like the philosophy you have towards teaching and like what are your main goals every single year? that you want to try to hit for your students? Great questions. So when I took over this program, I prayed a lot about the future. And I have had many friends who have gone through exercise science programs, graduated, and said, I don't know what I can do with my career. And to me, that was that was so hard to hear. I don't. I never wanted my students to look back on their education and say, I can't do anything with this. So my uh, philosophy or the way that I planned this major out is to say, let's have careers in mind, but let's prepare and be honest up front about how you have to become something. So let's start that and um, let's put that let's put that out there and say we got to go towards something. So we have to discover what you're you're interested in. I, I hesitate using the word passion. Because I don't think that your passions will be the same throughout your life. I think they'll change, they'll grow. So let's find interests, let's find strengths, let's develop skills. And that's how I was like, okay, if we're going to design, we're going to stick to the standards of what the industry has said, this is the standard for exercise science. But we're also going to push practical skills. And one of, I mean, if you've had a class with me, most often you've had a lab practical (laughs) The most dreaded part of Chrissy's <laughs> classes. Yep, you've had a lab practical and you've sweat and you've like, you know, stressed about, oh my word, I have to go perform this skill <laughs> in front of her and what's she going to think? And the whole point of that is to prepare you for life. You know, someday you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have to do a skill and you're going to have to be confident. You're going to have to sell it. You know, you're going to have to say, I know why I'm doing this. And I, I never want someone who's taken one of my classes to have that blank 
and be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So my whole philosophy is let's get get to the point where you know what you're talking about. Now, it's imperfect. I mean, it, it takes buy-in from the student. Um, you know, I wanted – I really, really pushed for a couple classes. I wanted strength and conditioning to be a stellar class. Um, I wanted exercise physiology to become something that was embraceable, not just – Fluty mumbo jumbo. <laughs> this is what the cell does. <laughs> so, well, exercise fizz has a, a good spot in my heart. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a fun class and it started with this whole thing. So, yeah. Go exercise fizz. Yeah, exactly. That's true. We did talk about the podcast yeah. happening. Talked about there. the podcast. We talked about the future clinic that might happen, might not happen. That's Who knows? Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, tell you what, Christy's classes, not only do you learn things, but you build relationships. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this podcast studying for an exercise fizz exam so thank you for this podcast lots of studying yeah oh man (laughs) or just talking yeah does that answer your question though oh Uh, yeah for sure okay we've talked about on the podcast uh, a couple times maybe only once i'm not exactly sure but it was uh, over this whole like relevancy thing with uh curriculum how do you within like the exercise science you're building this curriculum and obviously you have this standard that you have to reach and we always talk about continued education, how huge that is. And if anybody understands continued education, it's you. I feel like you're always reading something or you're always trying to figure something out. How do you utilize that knowledge that you're taking, bring it into this uh, standard that you're supposed to have in order to like keep this relevancy of stuff that's like ever changing? Because there's, I mean, nothing is going to stay the same other than the fact that we have bones and we have muscles and they have functions. Yeah. So, like, how do you take this stuff that you learn and apply it and keep this information from getting too dated and keeping it relevant for your students? So when they are in this field of exercise science, they have an understanding of how to work on the fly. And these new things that come to them, they have this ability to attack those issues head on. Man, you guys ask good questions. <laughs> I have trained you well. episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just a pre-professional thought process. Yeah. You know, it's things that we're trying to just instill in people. Right, right. So you're right. The body doesn't change, which I think is a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing because I, I explain this in kinesiology all the time. Once you learn the muscles, origin, insertion, they never change. So it's like learning a language. So I'm just building upon, always building upon uh, my knowledge bank. And I just get interested in things. I think if you lose curiosity then you lose the ability to dive into things and kind of geek out on breathing pattern dysfunction <laughs> and mm-hmm. glute inhibition. Um, lately, I've been really studying um, insulin resistance. And I don't know why. It's just something that has come up. And I'm like, I want, I'm curious about insulin resistance more and more and why some people are struggling with that and some others don't. So, you know, sometimes I'm just asking questions. Now, you ask a good question. How do I sprinkle that in? Because there are foundational principles that exist. So when I review, um, I review for my, I review for every class. I always make sure that I'm up to date. Do I have the material in my mind that I want to go over? And then I'm making little tweaks of this is current information. And I'm going to sprinkle that in. I'm going to make sure that we're talking about um, who was I listening to? I think Colton gave me something on breathing patterns. Who was that? James Nestor? No. Might not have been me. No, you gave me something on breathing patterns. It might I just don't have the guy's okay. name. And I remember I read that and then I'm like, mm, I gotta add that to my whole lecture on breathing. Was it Kelly Starrett? Maybe. Okay, okay Star. 
Yeah. But, you know, like, so when I, and I've had great conversations with students that then, do you know what I'm talking it was, about? I think it was Aaron Horshig. Yes. From Squaw University. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, you know, like I'm get, I'm always in the, in the process of gathering information because I see myself as that person who brings it in and then shoots it right back out mm-hmm. because the more people that I can kind of spark interest in, in certain topics, the more curiosity we're building as a program. So a question I have is, I think I've asked a couple people this, but like, especially in the exercise science field, you'll have one study that proves something and then you have another study that proves the exact opposite. So like, what is your way of going about like believing in what you believe? Because like something personally for me is it's hard for me to believe in something because there's all this information backing it up, but then there's also all this information like disproving it. So it's hard for me to try and believe in things that are somewhat questionable. Well, I always go back to the research. Um, If we have two different opposing topics, then we have to go back to research that actually shows you what they were looking at. And then usually you can find the parameters in which they studied. And most people in a controlled environment, you have to question, is this real life? And then you have to say, okay, is that study real life? And they're opposing each other. It's kind of like the concept of, do you stretch on cold muscles or do you stretch on warm muscles? Like which one improves flexibility or do you decrease your power if you do static stretching versus dynamic? You can find evidence for both. So some of that comes down to, are you inflexible? And do you need to be stretching to improve flexibility? Or are you stretching so much before an event that you lose so much power? Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're just, in, we're not applying these uh, components properly. So that's the part where research tells you something, but then you have to interpret even further. I'm not perfect at that either, like, I, you, you, you're going to live in a society where you're going to be swayed by this, w- this way or that way, depending on the information. I was listening to somebody talk the other day about that, and they said once research kind of travels through, it's almost like the telephone game. Research came out, somebody interprets it, then they tell somebody else they interpret it, and then sooner or later we're far away from what the actual truth it is. It ends up on Instagram and yes. some fit yes. yes, so I'm careful about that. And then I just try to find a reliable source. Now with that, so uh, as of recently, obviously research is a good thing, but I feel like there's a lot of things that research doesn't necessarily touch. And the fact that research is typically so controlled, would you ever feel comfortable um, sprinkling in any information that you've learned yourself through like your own like anecdotal evidence, right? So like there's no research on it, but I've tried this and it's worked with... 20 some odd patients there's not a lot of research behind it but I, i've seen it work oh yeah i do it all the time okay and that's <laughs> I, tell the, you I, all like, the time. I feel like a lot of people are real real nervous to do that no i don't feel nervous about that because i try to model being a practitioner mm-hmm. you know if you're in like someday if you're a chiropractor and you're realizing that wow all these people with plantar fasciitis are coming in here and they've got something going on with their low back you know, you're trying to make a connection and you're thinking along that line, you have to eventually experiment. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely something you've instilled in your, in your practitioner uh, students. I mean, definitely trying to look at a cause that's different than the typical cause. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are like, man, I have low back pain. Oh, well let's just adjust the low back. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, maybe it's something different. Maybe your gait cycle's terrible. Yeah. Maybe you could lose 200 pounds off your stomach. (laughs) Like all these things that might, might change, but like, I think that one thing that a lot of like 
different professors that definitely just bring this in this this material as a this is your course take it and leave sure you're like you open it up for the ability for people to challenge you sometimes i remember you said that in class you're like i don't care if somebody challenges me in class like i'm ready for it yeah. like let's go like i would love to hear what you have to say because that means you're thinking in like a proactive fashion and i feel like that's super cool and i feel like that's something that not a lot of professors would do well when i was younger i realized and i'll kind of back up and explain why I developed that idea. When I was younger in athletic training, people would come to me and be like, why is this, why, why does it work this way? Or like, why don't you know what this means? And I was stumped a couple times in evaluation. And so I took the philosophy of, I don't know why, or I don't know what this is, so I'm going to go find out. And when I went and followed up with that, and I came back with an answer, I felt way more respect with the, with the client, with the patient, than somebody else who just says, makes up an answer. And I've seen that. I've seen people make up an answer. And yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I just can't do that personally. So what I developed over time is, okay, ask me a question. What do you think? You know, And then even asking the patient, what do you think is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, Because I'm not a genius. I, I just am doing, I'm a puzzle. I'm basically putting, um, putting a puzzle together to, so that we can see a picture of maybe what's happening in your body. But yeah, I very much love debate. Yeah, Aaron and I debate all the time because <laughs> because you guys have heard so many stories about Aaron. But um, I've yet to meet him though. I, <laughs> I want to meet him. I've <laughs> seen him. I've seen him in passing. So he is he is real. If yeah, you're listening to this, Aaron, please come on the podcast. <laughs> we have a lot of stories yeah. that we want to hear. Yeah, um, but we debate all the time because we have decided to practice healthy debate, and that means that sometimes you don't agree. But a lot of times it's just learning how to have a conversation that challenges and have points. And when I was uh, like when I was younger, early on in my professorship, um, I struggled with that a little bit because I was not wanting to lead the student astray. And so in my season, you know, as I've become more seasoned, I'm like, okay, I feel better. I understand more and more confident. And, And also I'm like, my students aren't threatening to me. Mm-hmm. They're, they're students. They're wanting to learn. I need to help and foster that. You know, the worst thing for a professor is you ask a question that is silent. You know, <laughs> like, uh, no, nobody's going to answer. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, well, is, is anyone paying attention? Yeah. Or yeah. am I not conveying my material correctly? Because right. I remember in cardiology, you'd ask a question. We'd all kind of just, like, look at each other. Yeah. You'd be like, yes. Yeah, it's just kind of going over our heads right now, to be completely honest. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, with any any super in-depth memorization subject, I feel like it's real hard to have questions right there on oh, the spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, but I have to stop and ask. And Oh, yeah. Because there's always that one person that has questions. Yep, and it's crazy because there actually is somebody, yes. r- like, very closely uh, related to a person that asks a lot of questions. Related? Like, yeah. in, like, relation. Okay, okay, oh, okay. relation. Okay. Like, I was like, I don't know what you're talking like about. Like, family <laughs> related. Gosh, jeez. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Colton's girlfriend. I mean, I... If there was a question to ask, she probably asked it. Yep. She was so good. She kept me on my toes. Like when so. Kylie was around, nobody ever had to ask questions because she would just ask all of them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, go Kylie. <laughs> but it's actually, I, I, I wanted to say this. There was a quote that you said. I, I mean, somebody probably, el- someone else probably said this quote, but you were like, well, if you don't, if you can't talk about it, you don't know about it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, there's a lot of things I can't talk about that I feel like I know about. And I feel like that definitely kind of set me on this track of like, now I really have to learn all these things. And I feel like a lot of this like education track, everyone knows about it. 
I have my finger quotes up. Yeah. Everyone knows about it because they learned about it for the class and they got their grade on the test and blah, 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 blah. But if you ask them to talk about it, they could spew out facts, but they couldn't put it in an applicable sense. Yep. Right. And I, I don't know. Do you like, wh- how do you, in your own situation, how do you try to combat that with students? Like, I mean, I love in our kinesiology class when we did the mannequins. I mm-hmm. think that that helped me so much in terms of anatomy. Mm-hmm. Like, that is one thing that I know I know about and can talk about solely due to the fact of that class. Yeah. I mean, we were able to put those muscles on the dudes and ord insertion and striations. Yep. And yep. You remember what your hands did. Yeah. I personally hated the muscle man, not because of what it was, but because I suck at art. <laughs> and Kyler would just be over there doing everything, and I'm like... Drawing striations. Uh, it's not, it doesn't hit everybody where it needs yeah. to, but it does try to push. It's very kinesthetic. It, yes, and and that helps a lot of people because yeah. otherwise we'd just be staring at paper, and well, this is where muscle origin insertion is. So at least we got ourselves moving. It was talking. We were talking. We were laughing. Mm-hmm. Definitely lots of laughs. Lots of laughter. Yeah, I feel like I got made fun of so many times in that class. Yeah, you did. My table was me, Victor Hughes. And another buddy of mine, his name is Isaac. And it was just like a roast fest between three guys the whole time. Yep. But we learned. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because in that class, the practicals, my, my buddy Isaac, I'm going to throw him under the bus. I have never seen somebody so stressed out <laughs> about something, but except for Isaac during Chrissy's lab practicals. I mean, the yeah. dude was just sweating bullets the whole time. Yep. They were tough. They, All they of were Chrissy's tough. practicals are tough. Oh, yeah. Like that. I learned more studying for the practicals than I did studying for exams. Yeah. That's what made it tough. It's tough because, like, you know, we talk about it a lot. It's just because you know how to put something down on paper doesn't mean you know it. You have to actually yep. make it applicable. And like, now that I'm coaching classes, it's I have to apply. It doesn't matter if I know how to talk to someone if I can't apply it. Right. Like, it's being able to actually give these different types of cues. And, you know, we did that in strength and conditioning twice. We did that in, um, you know, we had to actually – feel the muscle and give you the origin insertions and kinesiology and it's actually making it applicable right instead of just okay i remember on my third line of my notes it was this word i'm gonna put that down yeah type of thing and that's where again it's kinesthetic learning it's actually putting it into practice that's what makes it nice right now this kind of segues into actually a question that i had earlier and it, it, it kind of moves into maybe not i wouldn't say a touchy subject but maybe something that like a lot of people could disagree on. It brings up some topics of disagreement, but philosophy on education. Obviously we, most schools, if not all schools, that's not a trade school is a liberal arts school, right? You have these core classes and blah, 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 blah. And you take this in this, and on the last podcast, not the last two episodes ago with Dr. Graham, we talked about this liberal, liberal arts education and it becomes this thought of the student versus the professor you're, you're almost fighting the professor to see who can get the better grade. Like, let's see who wins. And so with your um, teaching style or your philosophy on education, how do you find a way to obviously follow this liberal arts kind of curriculum, you know, and, and still have this ability to bring this like aspect of application to all your students? I feel like that's something that not a lot of people or able to do. And I feel like even if it's not like a lab component, you do a good job with like bringing like labs into it. And so other than that, maybe like, could you expound about how you feel about like the need for application? Cause obviously not everybody is a kinesthetic learner, right? right? But everybody I think needs to have application in the field of study that they're having. 
So I sum it up pretty simple. I want I want you to have tried something for the first time in this environment, like a skill or a idea, or even just thinking outside the box, to have tried it here with me guiding you before you step out on your own. And to me, liberal arts, liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> Liberal arts. I love that. Yes. I think that speaks for itself. Liberal arts. Ah, uh, liberal arts. Yes. I What I like about liberal arts is you do get a well-rounded education. We don't stop with just your career. We say, look, let's have other classes that build a perspective. And when I, most people have heard my talk about liberal arts and when I um, meet with prospective students or I kind of call it my cool party trick, I've had a class in about every area. So I can have a conversation with anybody about any topic. And so I like that. I mean, I went to a liberal arts school. I've had a history class, a music class, an art class, um, et cetera, and a writing class, a lit class. You know, you've gone through all of this education. Now, some of it, I, it is hard to apply directly, but I just believe that, hey, it's going to come up at some point. You know, even astronomy comes up at some point. So... <laughs> I've yet to see it come up, but maybe it does. Well, there's going to be an eclipse that that will. And I, yeah, and I won't go. know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Yep. So anyway, um, but in the fact that I'm, I pretty much stay in my ma- major with my instruction, so I don't get to see all of that with liberal arts. So I get to be mostly in just my major, which is fun for me because I'm focused on developing the whole person. And that's, I mean, if you think about it, we talk about treating the whole person all the time. It's not just an injury. It's still a person who has a dysfunctional part. And we're trying to build that back up. And there's also a a mental side. There's also a, well, you know, spiritual side. So many people struggle with identity nowadays that you can't, I mean, you just can't get away from it. And having that conversation of, is your identity wrapped in this concept or is it wrapped in Christ? You know, and I mean, even many people can uh, be seeking after so much um, success and that they just get lost in, I'm going to be the best. And they just, anyway, I get on a tangent going about life, but in education, I think it's always about training up the person to be a whole functioning unit that can meet multiple needs, just not just one, mm-hmm. you know. And Dr. Graham and I talked about this on the podcast. Do you ever get upset or frustrated or do you even see it like with this liberal arts thing there's so many different classes that you have to take that sometimes don't feel applicable to your life that the major like students like so in your exercise science program they get so bogged down with these classes that they don't actually like that they have a hard time performing in your class well I think the seven and a half weeks is really the hardest thing the sessions that we have I think that's probably the hardest part the there's always busy work in courses. Um, I'm just kind of, I try, so I was talking to a student today about this. The way I look at homework assignments is, is this doable within the time frame I've given you? Does it, does it have a creative component? Is it going to challenge you to think about the material we've talked about? And is it worth your investment? You know, so like we did a, just the other day, we did a facility project in care and prevention. And you guys have done that before. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, yeah, you, you're thinking outside the box. I, I put little boundaries on it, but I make you 
really think about what future career are you going to have and how are you going to look at a facility? So it's just putting little, I just put little sparks out there for people to start thinking about. Um, but I think in some other of these classes, you know, I was talking to a kid who was saying um, creative arts and culture, what he was really struggling with, music, he doesn't care about that. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to care about music, but somebody does somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's good to respect those people that, you know, that are professionals. Yeah, kind of like what you talked about, like your party trick is you can talk to anybody yep. about anything. So it's maybe it might not be. Um, necessarily your major base, but when you do get in a job that your that your major is based in, you can yeah. talk to some random person and try to make a sales pitch about them. You can open up with, oh, remember like the music, yeah. whatever, blah blah blah, yep. type of thing. Just being able to be relatable to people and to oh, carry yeah. a conversation. Yes, I want to know. I am actually. That's why I always try to maintain this element of curiosity because I want to know about that person, what makes them tick, and if it's something that's not in my wheelhouse. I can ask a lot of questions about that mm-hmm. <laughs> and get to know them. So something I want to, I'm going to make an inference here. Um, so you, I, I'm sure Zach can, Zach can agree with me, but you are not like many other professors in a good way. So I, I want to make the inference of it's because like you were talking about, you try to reach to the, for the whole student and try to teach the whole student, not necessarily just your major, whereas most professors are like, you're here learning from me because you want to know about coding or mm-hmm. math or things like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. it's more than just exercise science to you. It's yeah. being able to, to reach out and understand that person and be able to not only teach about exercise science, but to get a connection with them. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of something that you strive for is being able to have those connections with kids and for past just an exercise science relationship? Oh, yeah. So when you come in your freshman year, man, you're <laughs> kind of lost, right? You're away from home. Man, I think of both of you, your freshman year. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about time. it. I remember hating the beginning of freshman year so much, <laughs> like vividly, like laying in my bed. I remember I was on top. It was it was a welcome weekend, right? We haven't even gotten into classes yet. Yeah. And I'm laying on my bed with Drew. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't in the bed that yeah, wouldn't yeah. surprise me he was my roommate at the time uh he was on the bunk beneath me and i was like dude it's it's saturday yeah. i don't want to be at this school anymore i'm like this is terrible i was like i feel like i'm at church camp to be completely honest i'm like we're booked solid with all these yeah like team bonding and friendship building garbage things that i don't want to do and i i remember that was just so so vividly horrible there was no reason for me to say that. I just felt the, the need to. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for opening up, Zach. Yeah, for See, sure. See, that's what Christy does. Is just you get around yep, her. Yep. We want to just have conversation and open up. But it's actually I, with Colton's thing. You saying him saying how you develop the whole person. I feel like that's definitely something you need to have, like a checklist when you're looking for a major or a professor yeah. or a school. Like you need to see that this this professor or this advisor cares about you. I, I've I've talked to a lot of people. Like my girlfriend, she's like. I don't really even, I don't even like know my advisor, like who they are. And she, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I was, I was talking to Christy. We were just talking for like an hour. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was having, having this problem. And I I asked her for help. She's like, oh, let's go check it out. We'll run you through some exercise. And she was like, that's so weird that you have that relationship with your professor. And I'm like, but it's not. I feel like that's definitely something you should have. Because with me going into chiropractic and being a practitioner and even Colton being a personal trainer dealing with people on a daily basis, obviously having this knowledge that you've given us is such a big thing. Obviously, right. we need this to do what we want to do. But you've given us this opportunity 
to understand how to handle a person. Yes. Because we've been treated correctly, Mm -hmm. right? So that has to make you feel like you're doing the right job as a professor. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I strive for is to model how I think you should approach people and respect them. You know, if you you have an opportunity every time you meet someone to give them an impression. It can be a good impression. It can be a bad impression. It can be a so-so. I'm not so sure. How are you going to come off to a client? How are you going to come off? And it, but it's not always about clients. It's even just about you're a person created by God. And how am I helping you in life? So it's much bigger than just a mu- transaction. you know. And that's what I've always seen is all these students here, everybody's got a story. And we. I have an opportunity to influence their story. Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be, you know aggressive I don't know do I have to yell at them I'm not really a big I want to yell at somebody but I'll tell them the truth <laughs> yes you will <laughs> yeah <laughs> well <laughs> you can laugh about that but it's very hard to watch someone have goals and then not live up to what they're saying they want to do mm-hmm. and on my side I I sit down with people and say okay you've told me this is what you want to be but you're not getting there how am I supposed to help you if you're not helping yourself? And that's a big wake-up call. But I prepared myself for this a long time ago when I decided to take this job to say, I'm going to tell my students the truth. Because if I can't model the truth, I can't live the truth, then what am I doing as a mentor? Mm-hmm. You know, If I want to be their mentor, if they're, or they want me as their mentor, then I have to be willing to be transparent, honest, and, and provide guidance, right? So that's been my goal. Now, you know, I still, I'm a human, I make mistakes, but I try to give at least wise counsel to those who are interested in it. Yeah. So basically what you're trying to say is like you walk the walk so that when others talk the talk, they're like, oh, like, hey, like I'm Chrissy, I'm helping you, but you have to help yourself. And, but then also to like, you're doing the work behind the scenes of making sure, you know, you're doing your studies, you're yep. um, reading your Bible so that you can be a good ministry to other people. And it's, that's again, what I think separates you from most professors is they do, oh, I'm going to make sure I'm ready to teach about mm. thermal dynamic laws, things <laughs> like that. This isn't, but like, and then they're like, okay, yeah, like I don't really need to minister to people because that's not my job. I'm just a professor right. where it's like, I don't know, like God calls us to make disciples and just because you're not in God's eyes, you're not a professor, you're a disciple maker Yep, mm-hmm. working as a um, professor. Right. And most people don't have that. They kind of have it flip-flopped. They're like, Oh, I'm a professor. If I can make disciples, great. But if not, you know, I taught people about marketing type of thing. I think a lot of people have the intention of being that way, but life gets in the way. Family gets in the way. There's, you have to be intentional. Like, one of the things that I value, and we just went through this, is exhausting for me, but advising day. I meet with 35 people, and then the next day I meet with another 25 and, you know, and so on. However, I get 15 minutes with each student, and I get to ask them. I get to check in with them. I get to see how's your life going, how are you doing spiritually, and then are we on track? And I get that touch point twice a semester. No, twi- you know, each semester, each semester. And then, you know, we can build upon that. If you need more time, then we set up another meeting. But I think that's the most valuable time that I give to each student. And, and some people don't sign up and they don't take advantage of that time. And you, got, you guys know how advising is. Well, you actually probably don't know how stressful it is because I made it less stressful. <laughs> you know, but if you miss a class or you didn't take something in sequence, then we are totally out of order. 
and I've prioritized that my students, I don't, I've, I have heard from other people how some people miss out and then they're here an extra semester that costs them how much money. That's a big stress. So I prioritize their schedule and their success. And I'm honest, hey, if you're not, you can't get a C plus and get into this type of school. So they need somebody who holds them accountable. They need somebody who cares about their future and who can guide them towards, you know, uh, or through challenging situations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a privilege. I truly see it as a privilege to be that close to my students um, and just be able to talk with them about, because they're real adults, you know. That's mm-hmm. the thing. They're not kids. They're real adults. Yeah. And they're navigating it. Yeah. And, and Chrissy's definitely not blowing any smoke here when she ha- says she's honest. She's definitely <laughs> she's definitely honest. I've, me and her have had some conversations that have definitely, I mean, obviously they've kicked me into gear, but they've scared me to death. Yeah. Tell you what, we've had some conversations, but she definitely is the kind of professor that you want to have. It's one of those things, if you're looking at a school, say you're an undergrad, obviously postgraduate school is going to be probably a little different. Yeah. Like you're definitely going for this very niche thing. And so it doesn't necessarily even matter at that point what your advisor is, as long as it's the school you want to get into, blah, right. blah, blah, et cetera. But if you are undergraduate, say you don't know what your major is, and maybe your advisor, you, you guys aren't driving, you got to start looking for these kind of things. Yep, you do. And I feel like that'll make your experience so much better. Mm-hmm. But kind of tailing off on this, the end of this podcast we always try to ask people like what their um, top three things would be like for whatever career they're in. And since this is an educational podcast, as a advisor, as a professor, what are three things that you like advice that you would give to students that you would say like these three things will help you with your academic success? And it could be one thing, it could be two things, it could be 10 things. But some things you feel like that are important for individuals and good question again academic success so I think most this is kind of a long answer but I have to preface it with I think a lot of people don't really know how they learn and so you have to discover how you retain information and can use it that is the biggest hurdle I think young people coming into school struggle with is they're like no I can read and then I'll get it and I'm like no, you have to go a step beyond that. You have to go a step beyond, like, I heard this information. You have to be able to use it. And so I think if you can make that switch in your mind for, I'm going to use the information now in a sentence or I'm going to use it in a conversation, that puts it in your brain so much faster and it makes it a tool. Now, I, I was reading a book on how we learn, and they were talking about how an emotional experience with something like opens up your memory and your learning ability like crazy. Now it's, you know, you can't just go around asking your roommate to scare you all the time and then read, (laughs) you know, like that's not how that works. But if you can uh, relate, become relatable to the the information, man, you, you will receive that. That's why I tell so many stories because if you can um, relate to a story that I've told, even on a test, man, there are so you, you, it just comes right back to your mind. Because I was telling a story and you were listening and you were intrigued. Mm-hmm. You know, why did that one person lose a tooth and how did we handle that? And I just told that story the other day and people were like, what? Oh, my <laughs> word. <Yeah. laughs> so uh, th- I think that, too, how can, you make the rela- how can you make the material relatable to you? And then I also think you need to start thinking about um, – I, I had study groups 
in college that I built great friendships with friends that would study and that were serious about studying. And they made me better. I made them better. It was a very good situation. I think you guys figured that out too. And, and you have to pick your study friends wisely. Um, my mom also had given me great advice when I was younger. I had to manage a lot. I had a lot on my plate as a, a college student. I was, you know, athletic training student. So I had hours. I had, I had to get a hundred hours, no, 200 hours every, um, semester of just observing in the athletic training room that's a lot of time plus I was on um, softball and so you're I was kind of pulling a double shift basically I would go to a practice and then I would go to another practice to observe so I had to manage my time and she said look sometimes you have to say no to a social event and you have to study but that's just the way it is you have to study sometimes so I took that uh, and I'm a very disciplined person so it wasn't hard for me to say no but I know other people, it's very hard to say no. And so that's where you just have to learn boundaries. And I think most people are like, yeah, I got boundaries. And I'm like, no, you really need to evaluate. You really need to evaluate yeah. your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I could go on for a long time about yeah. being successful. Um, I also think where there's a will, there's an A. Like if, yep. you, if you want it, then you, can, you have to go for it. I had a, a student come into me. This is kind of funny. <laughs> I had a student come to me and say, you know, I'm really struggling with anatomy and phys. I, I mean, it, I'm like, I've never studied this hard in my life. And so he was trying to decide if he was going to stay in this major or go to something else. And I said, well, this is your opportunity to study as hard as you can and to give it everything you've got or to give up. And so he came back the day later and says, I'm giving up. <laughs> I was like, well, that didn't go the way oh, I thought geez. it was going to go. He gave this motivational speech like, yeah, no, it's just not my thing. I, yep. don't, I don't think it's going to work Seriously. for me. Seriously, and he's like, I'm out. That's so funny. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? That's okay. If it if it weeds you out, it weeds you out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it wasn't A&P, it would have been another class yes. down the road. It mm. really would have for this kid. And so, but he he has not realized how hard you can push himself mentally. Yeah. You know, and that's what... I think undergraduate experience, you, you're, you're just becoming, you're becoming the adult that you want to be. But you have to choose that. Don't let somebody else choose it for you. Become the person you want to be. You know, and that means you have to get up and go to class and you have to study and you have to manage your time and pick your friends wisely. And, yep. you know, that's part of being an adult anyway. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're, it's going to be bills you have to pay. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, it's it's not A's and B's. It's yeah. debt or no debt or making a paycheck. Yep. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Just yeah. wisdom. I wish, I, like, I would have gotten been able to ingrain that in myself mm -hmm. from freshman year. Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't wait till like, junior, senior year. But, you know, we got to where we need to go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The rest is history. Right. And then we're going to keep keep building on what we've had. But I appreciate your wisdom. Yeah, I appreciate you. who that you are. Awesome. Best teacher I've ever had, Thanks. and I was homeschooled, so my mom, <laughs> I might be biased, right? Only homeschooled for a little bit, oh, but 100% the best best professor, best advisor, um, more than an advisor, a friend, yeah. colleague for life, yep. someone that I can always call, call on if I need help, especially yep. in this realm. Yep. So, Chrissy, thank you for your time. Thank we you. appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This has been the Pre-Professional Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. And we will see you guys next week.